Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sarah Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host, Sarah Davison, shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sarah Davison. Welcome back to the show. And today, my guest is Susan Pease Bannett. Susan is an award-winning author, psychotherapist, and pioneer in the field of alternative therapies in psychological healing. She has over 45 years of experience in mental health work with specialities in PTSD, disassociative disorders, ASD, and medical social work. Susan has written two award-winning books on trauma, in addition to other publications. The books are called The Trauma Toolkit, Healing PTSD from the Inside Out, and Attachment and Love in Trauma Therapy. So I am super excited to welcome Susan Pease Bannett to the show. Welcome, Susan. Thank you. I am super excited to be here. Well, I am a super fan, so I am very excited that you're here. Um, just for my listeners, tell them a little bit about you and the work that you do. Okay, well, um, I've been in this field a long time. Um, I've worked in almost every setting, inpatient, outpatient, medical, psychiatric. Currently, I have an outpatient private practice that's focused on trauma and extreme trauma because over the years I've just gotten better at working with trauma and as one gets better, the people come that need your help. <laughs> um, I'm very involved with the International Society for the Study of Trauma and Dissociation, which is um, the only um, group focusing on trauma that also focuses publicly on dissociation. And I have a specialty practice in extreme abuse, which includes um, organized abuse, organized crime, ritual abuse, sex trafficking, and things like that. I mean, these topics are topics that are very close to my heart. And I know a lot of people listening are going to be resonating with this. So can we start off maybe with what you, your definition maybe of trauma? What does trauma mean for you? Well, um, trauma, I don't think is something one can fully understand until one has been through it. <laughs> um, I, <agree>. I <laughs> Yeah. So I had my career, you know, pre my own trauma and post PTSD, and I write a little bit about that, how different it was and how I was completely unprepared for how physical the experience of trauma is. It's when people say it's happening in your mind, I'm, I'm like, no, <laughs> no. Trauma really should be treated as a medical issue, a fully physical medical issue, which by the way, is something I'm looking at in the future. I'd really like to create an institute or a clinic that focuses on trauma medicine um, because it's a whole body experience. Yeah, and I know in your in your book, the Trauma Toolkit, which I recommend everybody go and grab off Amazon right out, but the Trauma Toolkit talks about, which I found was fascinating, that when you're physically ill, we expect there to be some mental repercussions of maybe having a, a serious illness. You say, you know, so when we're mentally ill, it follows again that there might be some physical repercussions. Tell us right. a bit more about that. 
Well, what I say in the book is, um, you know that song is the knee bones connected to the shin bone. I say, you know, the brain bones connected to the everything bone. <laughs> like, <laughs> there is no part of the body that the brain is not connected to. So if something is happening in your brain, it's happening throughout your body, right? Um, trauma, especially we know affects the neuroendocrine system, which um, let me explain, break down what that is. So the hypothalamus and the pituitary and the adrenal glands are all connected along what's called the HPA axis. And that governs the neuroendocrine system, which is about mood, um, how well you sleep, where your libido is at, how are you digesting food? Um, if you're um, a woman, how is your menstrual cycle going? All of those things are connected to the HPA axis. And we know from research that PTSD throws the HPA axis off of its functioning to where it goes either sort of hyperactive or hypo underactive. Um, the immune system is also on that axis. So um, you can have people with autoimmune diseases strongly correlated to people with PTSD, right? Or sometimes people with a sort of lack of immunity where they're catching every cold and flu that comes through. So um, that's just one piece, but there's other ways in which people are affected by trauma um, in the body alone, which is why in the trauma toolkit, I have a whole chapter that just focuses on the body and interventions for the body. I think this is the thing I want people to understand about PTSD. First, that it's a fairly severe condition that pervades your whole life and functioning. Um, and that secondly, to heal it, you need to address more than one dimension of the healing. So in the past, we're just like, we'll talk therapy once a week is how we treat most mental mental illness, right? And I put that in air quotes for those of you, because you can't see me do that. But um, I don't really consider PTSD a mental illness. I consider it a kind of injury, um, the response of the body-mind to a very profound injury, whether it's on a physical injury or emotional injury or a combination of both of those things. And so we can't just heal um, it fully by talking. A lot of people have tried and they end up either themselves getting alternative modalities on board or they seek out somebody like me who knows how to coach them through putting together a team of people to really help fully heal the whole body organism. I'm such a massive believer in that. When I went through my trauma a couple of years ago, the PTSD, I, like you said, for me, I was like, oh my goodness, I had no idea how debilitating it can be on a, on a whole body level. It, I yes. mean, you know, you'd read about it and I kind of thought I pretty much understood it, but the actual real life experience, which I don't recommend, is actually so harrowing that it really at times is, it's super tough to hold it together and and you know I, I was reading your book away you were talking about actually when the trauma is happening quite often people don't have the clear memory of it we don't remember it and that's exactly what happened to me and then all sorts of things that you may not remember like you know threatening self-harm or you know things like that that happen in the moment of the trauma can you tell us a little bit more about that um, well, I'm going to take on the memory piece first, because I think it's a really important thing to talk about. There's kind of two ways memory gets affected with trauma. One is you can get sort of a, a very hyper memory, like a very clearly embedded image in your mind, like 
think about where you were when 9-11 happened, for example. Like, or, you know, if you're old enough when JFK was shot, like, <laughs> um, or when Princess Diana died. Like, you know, those are places we know where we were, what we were doing in that moment. Um, so trauma can do that. But the thing about PTSD is that it affects the functioning of the hippocampus. And the hippocampus, among other things, is responsible for converting short-term memory to long-term memory. And so when it's kind of under assault, as it were, from PTSD, um, sometimes things just don't really make the complete conversion into long-term memory storage. It's kind of like, you know, if you're in an office and the files get dropped on the floor on the way to the file cabinet, like, where are they? Like, you know, they kind of got scattered about. Yeah. That's why my head feels like still, I mean, two years on, I still struggle with converting that short-term to long-term, even yeah. though I cope a lot better and I've done a lot of the, you know, holistic therapies and things like that, which I'm sure we'll go on to talk about, but I still feel that my memory isn't where it, well, I know it isn't where it was. Does that come back? Well, it can, it can. I think you, I don't think it'll come back automatically necessarily, unless you have an exceptionally robust healing mechanism going on in your body. But um, interestingly, they've shown that the hippocampus shrinks differently depending on what kind of abuse you've had. So they can look at it and go like, that looks like veteran or that looks like child abuse. Um, by the way, the hippocampus is shaped, um, <laughs> which is fascinating. The one thing that I remember reading about um, is that Prozac actually, after a year on Prozac, people's hippocampus regained full volume and functioning. Um, and so I can't quote you what that study was, and it was a few years ago, but I do remember because it was very surprising to me and encouraging. So yes, I think there are ways to regain that functioning, and I know that um, you know, my memory is, you know, my memory got better after I healed from trauma and then I hit menopause and then it got bad again. <laughs> so, <laughs> maybe that's what's going on with me then. Maybe that's, maybe that's where we're at. Maybe that's the answer. The menopause. But, but, you know, I'm laughing about that, but that's also connected, right? Because, you know, that's a big hormonal shift. And we were just talking about how the HPA axis is related to, to the neuroendocrine system, which is hormone production. So I think these things are still understudied. They're still not well understood. Um, I think we have a lot of work to do on emphasizing this kind of healing because we're babies at it right now. So let's talk a bit about that, you, this kind of healing. Tell, tell me, you know, and I said, you know, you mentioned you had a network of people there. So tell us a little bit more about that network and, and what you would maybe suggest to people listening if they are thinking, that's me, that's me right now. Right. Um, first of all, you know, I assume a lot of your listeners are women and women are both socialized to, and I think just tend to in general, um, put other people's needs in front of their own um, for the good of the species, <laughs> as it were, um, especially if you're parenting. So I think the first thing to do is to really recognize, like, I deserve to be well. I deserve to spend the time and, and money, if I have it, on myself to heal fully from this and to make yourself a real priority in that process and to obviously limit the damage. So, you know, the first step is moving into um, safety. So if you're with an abusive partner, to extricate yourself from that situation safely as best you can and, um, and permanently create a space where you can be um, 
assured that you're not going to come under the same kinds of attacks anymore. It's really, really important. And at the same time, be doing the things to get your body mind back online. So in trauma toolkit, I talk about these five dimensions of healing that are based on the Indian system of the koshas that come out of yoga. Some of your listeners might be familiar with them. So there's the physical body. The five koshas are the physical body, the energy body or the prana body, the lower mind, which I call the cognitive mind, the higher mind, which we could call your wisdom mind or intuitive mind. And then your, they call it the bliss body. I call it the spiritual body. So if you think of it, when I give this talk, I, I have Russian nesting dolls. And I show that like, it's like a trauma is like a sword that goes through all of the bodies of the nesting dolls and it injures all of those bodies. And so it's important to address the healing of all of those bodies, whatever that means for you. And there's lots of ways presented um, in the book to do that. And then people can come up with their own plan. I think that um, the people I've seen that have done the best are the people who jump fully on the healing train of like, I'm going to work with all these levels. And so getting acupuncture for the energy body or doing um, a strong um, energy-based yoga class, um, finding a retooling of your spiritual self, whatever that means to you. It could be mean you stop going to church. It could mean you start going to church. It could mean you just take quiet time every day and sit in nature, whatever that means to you right? Um, getting some just cognitive behavioral tools under your belt, if you don't have them already, um, ways to interrupt the rumination and the, um, the, what they call stinking thinking, you know, in alcoholics. <laughs> I love mama. that. Stinking <laughs> yeah. thinking. I like it. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, learning how to talk to yourself in a nice way again. Um, and then working with your own wisdom and intuition. I do find that the calmer people are by engaging in wisdom practices from around the world, the faster their healing tends to go because they, they have a safe place inside of themselves that they can come back to. And for a lot of trauma survivors, initially there is no safe place inside of yourself. Um, there's just the trauma and it kind of takes over the body mind for a while. So creating that safe space inside of yourself, however that is, finding what is the activity where you feel safe? Is it is it doing art, quilting? Is it cooking dinner for your family? Where do you feel? Um, and it doesn't have to be a traditional female activity either. It could be playing softball or whatever. Um, but where do you feel the most connected to yourself in a safe way? Like starting there, it's almost like finding home base again inside of yourself. Just gosh, there's so much there. I mean, it's so important. And I like the way you break it into the five different areas because I think so easily people go, right, you know, I've found acupuncture, that, that will sort it out. But it's just one part of it as you've broken down there. You know, there's so many levels. Well, you know, I'm, I'm sure we all know people or we've even done this ourselves where we get, we start repeating our story over and over again and we're not feeling better. And like, why aren't we feeling better? We keep telling our story, but we're not feeling better. And usually it's one of two reasons. Are you struggling to cope with your breakup or divorce? Are you feeling devastated, heartbroken, sad and anxious? 
If so, please know that you are not alone and there is help available. Sarah Davison, best known as The Divorce Coach, and her team of accredited coaches are here to offer you the support and guidance you need to navigate all areas of your breakup, take back your control, and start feeling happy again. Sarah will show you how to dial down those controlling negative emotions, unhook from your ex, get back in the driving seat of your life, and design a future you are excited to live. Sarah has a range of solutions to support any breakup, including free guides, one-to-one coaching, her Heartbreak to Happiness virtual retreats, live retreats, and you can even train to be a breakup and divorce coach with Sarah too. Visit www.saradavison.com today and start to feel happy again. And usually it's one of two reasons. Usually it's either because we're kind of dissociated from the story, so we're not fully moving through the story with all of our emotions and or there's an energy blockage. So I had a client that had a very, very severe abuse history and we would process memories and things and then she'd come back the next week and be right back in the soup with it again. And then we process it it again and then she'd be back in it again. And I finally realized, I think I'm looking at like um, an energy whirlpool when, at, where she's getting caught, like her boat spinning around in this pothole in the river. So I sent her to my friend who's a skilled acupuncturist and boom, like a knife through butter. She just moved right through it. It was a loop and her, her energy wasn't running correctly in her body to help her process out that memory. So I, um, <clears throat> I do Reiki now in my practice and Reiki really, um, I do something called Usui Holy Fire Reiki, and that really helps that energy straighten itself out and help people process things all the way through. There's other modalities like EMDR that can do that, although um, EMDR can be mixed, so I think you have to proceed with caution um, with the practitioner of EMDR and make sure they're skilled in the particular kinds of trauma you're dealing with. And I think, you know, it goes without saying that you have to really look into the therapist you're choosing to work with because, you know, some people get a, well, some people don't even get the accreditation, but some people get some kind of qualification. But I think for me and the people that I've interviewed on my, on my podcast, you know, we have um, AMDR women that really helped me with my trauma, but she's, she's very special, you know, and I think, you know, like you, Susan, you have an energy and a warmth and something that's, that's different, that intuitive energy, I guess, that I think is really important when you're choosing your therapist to find somebody. So you can go for a massage, can't you? And you can go and think, oh, that was amazing. And you can go to another one, just, oh, it's a bit uncomfortable. It was a bit awkward, you know? And, and I think it's very much dependent on the, not just the skill and the technique, but actually the intuitive and energetic, you know, ability of the practitioner. Yeah, we call that goodness of fit, right? So there has to be kind of like a chemistry that works between the two people. And a lot of that has to do with our attachment styles. You know, if you're a warm, wanting to attach sort of dog-like persona, and you end up with a cat therapist that's sitting as far away from you as they can in the room, like that might not be the best match for you, right? But if you're with a dog therapist that kind of leans into you and wants to hear more, that might be perfect, right? So like, it's, it's okay. To say a lot of people think like it took so much effort to get to this therapist 
and I had, they had a long waiting list and now I'm in, so now I have to work with them. And then you're kind of trapped. So I want people to really make sure they um, give themselves permission to, it's kind of like a relationship, you know, like you've got to have a goodness enough, a good enough fit with the person you're dating. It's a relationship. It's a therapeutic relationship, but it's a relationship. Super, super important. Um, now you talked a little bit before about dissociation. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you mean by that? Dissociation, um, when I talk about dissociation to my colleagues and to my clients, I present it as a spectrum. So dissociation is something that happens naturally in the human experience. I believe it's part of evolution and what I call the 200,000 year old computer, which is our body mind. <laughs> um, and um, it evolved to help us survive like everything else. So dissociation can range from very ordinary experiences that we all have like highway hypnosis. You ever been driving down the highway and you forget your exit because you're just like thinking about something. So that's sort of average dissociation or daydreaming. I'm like, oh, it's daydreaming. Oh, shoot, the noodles burned, you know, like, right? <laughs> right? That's kind of just, at, you know, then, then you can get into higher levels of dissociative ability, like artists and high creatives, like actors and people that can really kind of go into these imaginal realms. And you need to disassociate yourself from ordinary life to be able to do that. Um, further down the spectrum would be like the shamanic people, the intuitives, the psychics who can really like literally journey into other realms and bring back information um, that's speaking traditionally. Um, and then, you know, if it keeps going and starts to get out of control, then you're in the area of pathology. And the, ver the most extreme end of that would be um, DID, which is Dissociative Identity Disorder, which used to be called Multiple Personality Disorder. Um, and then there's a lot of people I treat that don't fit fully into the criteria for DID, but they almost do. And so that category is called Otherwise Specified Dissociative Disorder, meaning people might have very profound symptoms of what we call derealization, where all of a sudden they feel like they're moving through a landscape where nothing feels real to them. Um, or they can't feel themselves. They feel like a dead person walking around. That's sort of depersonalization. Um, or um, they uh, just can't seem to focus. They're, they're going away from things in their mind. Um, it's important to understand, because you asked what PTSD was earlier, it's important to understand that PTSD in some ways is a disorder of avoidance, unconscious avoidance. Um, which I do think is evolutionary. Um, so the mind will kind of swerve around the the trauma in a way and not want to want to avoid it and want to avoid any reminders of it. So let's say you're going through a bad breakup and a song comes on the radio from early in your courtship, right? You're going to turn that off. Or if anybody's been watching the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, um, Johnny Depp cannot will not look at her probably because it's very triggering for him to look at her <laughs> right so that's pt that's a, to me i would wonder about his level of ptsd like it's very very hard for him anybody with um and i i don't know i'm not saying i know the truth of the case i'm just observing that behavior and saying quite often in court cases you'll see the abuser has no trouble making eye contact with the victim in fact they'll use it aggressively um, but the victim may have tremendous difficulty 
making eye contact with the abuser, right? And so that's, again, that unconscious, like, it's so overwhelming to the system to be triggered that we unconsciously and automatically go into avoidance. And if we can't go into avoidance, we go into numbing and shutdown. And, um, but the third leg, so we've got avoidance, we've, we've got numbing, and then we have the third leg of PTSD, which is intrusiveness, meaning we can only avoid those things temporarily because they will come back to us in our dreams, nightmares, ruminations, um, trauma can only be pushed aside for so long before it's back really hard and heavy in our consciousness. Um, and that's why it disrupts functioning, right? Because if you're bouncing back and forth this ball between avoiding and being overstimulated, um, it's hard to find a middle ground in there. And that's, that's where you need help. Yeah, I think, you know, sometimes, you know, our body isn't ready to deal with it. Um, so it does shut it out. And then sometimes it's, I feel, like, especially with breakups, you know, when you're going through a really difficult breakup or divorce, there's that whole initial stage where you don't really want to cope with it. You're not really strong enough. And then suddenly you start to be able to find some strength. And that's where I find that clients start to get a bit more upset and think, well, I, sh I should be a bit further down the line. But actually, it's them feeling a little bit stronger and able to take on and actually process some of that grief rather than just avoid it. Yes, I think that's really true. And there's often, not always, but there's often one person in the relationship, especially if you've been in an abusive relationship, who doesn't have that problem <laughs> because they 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 don't really ever go into those feelings. Um, and so then they're kind of like, why aren't you moving faster in this process? Like, let's get this done. Like, give me this, like you're resisting, you're dragging your feet and like, you're not, <laughs> you're not, you're just trying to process this sort of unimaginable disruption of your life and who you thought you were going to be. Yeah. So, I mean, gosh, there's so much you've shared with us and, and thank you so much because I know you're super busy. You know, do you think that you can heal trauma? People listening who maybe are suffering with, with PTSD right now, is there a day that you can look forward to where actually they are going to be back in control of those emotions, feeling good again? Yes. I wouldn't do this work. I'm, I'm not a masochist. <laughs> I would not take on an unhealable problem. Uh, that, or maybe I'm just not saintly enough to do that. Um, <laughs> um, I, I want to see people better, get better. People do get better. I have a history of trauma myself. I had a very severe um, amount of abuse in childhood that I feel more or less, I mean, not that it doesn't come up and make me sad sometimes, or, but I, I'm not traumatized by it anymore. It doesn't, I can have a thought about it and it doesn't ruin the next four hours for me, right? Um, yeah. So that takes a great deal of work and time and commitment. And it can take five, 10, 15, if it's tied in with childhood abuse and trauma, it could take even longer. But this is what I tell my clients, like, however long it takes, you know, life is long. You, for most of us, life is pretty long. Um, if it takes 20 years, all right, you start at 30 and you're done by 50, but you're done by 50, like you're done. <laughs> <laughs> you're done. I love it. Yay. I love it. You go have your cruises and your retirement in peace and without trauma, right? So I think the sooner people get to work on that, the better for them, you know. Yeah. And I, you know, I mean, obviously, I work with people going through that too. And with breakups and you know, divorces, there's obviously an element of trauma associated to that. And you know, it's relative on a scale, I guess. But you know, one of the things that 
you know, definitely helped me and helps a lot of my clients is the motto, screw you, watch this. And it's that turning your pain into your power and actually you know, getting up yes. and creating a life that you're super excited to live. However challenging that might be in moments when you have those, you know, triggers or whatever, but knowing that actually, you know what, I'm going to turn my life around. You can, you know, the outside may get damaged, but in here, that's me. And that's, I control that. And I will continue to shine my light as bright as possible and, you know, work on that, which is self-care, like you said, and all the other things. And nurturing that, I think, is uh, is a good way to hang on to that hope and power through. Yeah, well, it's also channeling the fight response, right? It's channeling that warrior into creating something that you want to create and not just into destruction or self-destruction. Yeah. Love it. The warrior. I love it. Okay. So where can people find you, Susan? If they want to work with you or find out more, get your books, tell us, tell us, where can we find you? Okay. I'm in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> no, I'm online. To come. <laughs> <laughs> I do a lot of work over Zoom. Honestly, I do a lot of work around different countries, different states. Um, I can't do, I can't be a therapist necessarily in another state or country, but I can, I do a lot of coaching. I do a lot of PTSD coaching where I help people look at the five dimensions and kind of come up with recommendations for them, um, either follow them along. And sometimes it's just a one-time consult just because people are like, I don't know who to go to for this. How, how do I even, where do I even start? It seems so big. So I offer and it was something I called air assessment information and referral. And then you get a full write up about all of that different pertaining to all the different layers of your healing of trauma toolkit healing um, style. Um, or I can work with people around coaching them around PTSD and or I, I, I put on my website spiritual coaching because like really severe PTSD usually throws people into an existential crisis and a spiritual crisis and um, at that point, sometimes people really want to make that a part of their healing and they're, and they're looking for something. They're looking for something that helps them. And because I have a lot of experience in those realms and many different traditions, I can help sort that out too. So yes, you can find me through my website, which is soupiesbannett.com or for short, soupb, like peanut butter, soupb.com. Um, my book is available on Amazon. And if you're a therapist out there listening, I also wrote a book for therapists because therapists need help treating trauma, especially around the clinical application of all the theoretical books that are out there. And that's called Wisdom, Love, um, and Attachment in Trauma Therapy Beyond Evidence-Based Practice. So um, yeah. Those great, are some, I mean, another some... great book, guys, another great book. Well, thank you so much. I have one last question for you that I ask all my guests on my show. So as you know, my podcast is called Heartbreak to Happiness. And I think it's really important to know what happiness is for you so that you can tap into it, even if you are having a tough day with PTSD or all the trauma that you're going through. So what is happiness for you, Susan? Um, I love this definition that comes from China. The definition... Um, of enlightenment, the word for enlightenment in Chinese means ease. And so when I'm feeling happy, I feel like there's this ease in my body mind. There's a flow. It feels good, you know, and it can be, it's interesting because you can find those moments even in the midst of trauma. Sometimes we have to be open to them 
Um, and when they come, welcome them. Like, you know, a bird just landed on my railing out here. Like it's the little bird that comes and lands and then flies off again. Oh, and embrace those moments where you find them. That's why I think gratitude practice can be helpful. I don't feel like you should practice gratitude. It's not like that, but it's like when we are in a state of happiness and joy, I think we naturally feel grateful and express gratitude. So catching yourself in those moments, even in the midst of the darkness, um, helps you recognize that it's still there. The sun's, sun's still shining, even if it's behind a cloud. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for everything you shared. I found it fascinating, as always. And thank you so much for being such a fabulous guest. Thank you. Thank you for all your work. That's it for today's episode. Do head on over to suepb.com to find out more about Sue, get your session and also head over to Amazon to get a copy of both of her books. And I look forward to you joining me on my next episode. That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to one of Sara's virtual retreats. The retreats are a transformative combination of live webinars with Sara herself, coupled with empowering online video programs designed to help you cope better with your breakup and start feeling happy again. For more details, head on over to heartbreaktohappinesspodcast.com, where you can also get a copy of Sara's free gift. Thank you and join us again on the next episode for another dose of Heartbreak to Happiness.